time now for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. And of course, as was stated, you're with the Double L team. Lawson, mm-hmm. what are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful that I have money. That's money's useful. And with that money, I've I got can, money. I can buy things. I've got fifty dollars. That that's incredible, love. Yes. Wow, a whole fifty. A whole, a whole. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Wow. Well, wait. He is. Are you, he's, got a, he's got a piece of cash. Actually, I have paper fifty. Look at that. I saw a one dollar coin yesterday, and I think it's probably the first time, like, like in my possession. I it was like in my bedroom. And I think it's the first time I've had a one dollar coin in my possession. In maybe a year, like I do not have any. I don't even carry so a wallet anymore. So you obviously don't use uh, Facebook Marketplace. No, nah. no. Nah, yeah. I just I just buy everything new. Yeah, you know, rich rich lifestyle. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm, just I'm just kidding. No, but okay. No, I've used Facebook Marketplace recently, and yeah. But then I just bank transfer people. Right. I'm I'm on the new wave law. I don't carry nice. a wallet. I don't carry anything. I just Somebody I've just got my phone today, so it's pretty cool. That's awesome. It's like, how often do you see one of those? I'm like paper a, money. Paper money. Literally, well, it's not paper. It's plastic, lol. Nah, whatever. But literally, never. Like, I am. I am far, far beyond that point. Yes, in you, my you've, life. Had, you've never actually seen Australian paper currency. No, in your lifetime. Mm-mm. Yes, yeah. I remember the days of two dollar notes. Two dollar one dollar one dollar notes and two dollar notes. They're pretty cool. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to get stuck into it, which means that we are going to have a clue for our quiz. Lawson, go for it. Our first clue for the quiz today: What biblical figure exhumed the bodies of Saul and Jonathan? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you will go into the draw to win the Andrews Study Bible, an incredible, expensive, awesome Bible that we have just been promoting our hearts out for this week, which we will be drawing today. 8.45 today, we will have the draw. Make sure you are listening in because maybe maybe you could win. But hey, this is also your last chance to get your entries in as well. What biblical figure exhumed the bodies of Saul and Jonathan? 0491-064-669. Ah, well, there you go. Give us a call now if you know the answer. Lawson, tell us some positively different news this morning. Some positively different news. Well, there is a story, an Australian story, that people have been wrapped up in pretty much for, for the last four years, but comes to an end today. And that is the story of the Natisalingam family. Uh, ah, this is the family from up the... The coast here somewhere. Well, not quite up the coast in their, like, Queensland. Queensland. Like, very much up the coast. Yeah. Like, and then, like, kind of central. They're up the coast somewhere. Central, like, but, like, yeah. Okay. yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Right. Yeah, but this is a family of Sri Lankan asylum seekers who came over here in 2012 and 2013. A couple um, who came over on a three-year visa, um, who stayed in Australia for that, for that three years, had a couple of kids, and uh, after three years, were then detained for breaking their... For staying too long. For staying too long, for, to, for breaking their visa conditions. Um, now, they had claimed to, to be refugees and asylum seekers, that they were fearing persecution back in Sri Lanka as a result of the war that, you know, had happened at that time. And as a result, 
they were caught by the government and ended up uh, in detention for the last four years. Yes. So for the last four years, they well basically they were on route to deportation. They were yes. They had been put on the plane in Melbourne, and it was like, all right, we're taking you back to Sri Lanka. And literally mid-flight, a court junction came through, and they landed in Darwin and took them up to Christmas Island, where they have been for the last four years, up until the last couple of days, where they have been released from detention. Now, this is a story that is interesting what happens when you get a change of government. Yeah. It's a story that is kind of polarising because these people, you could consider them illegal immigrants and visa breakers, you know. The thing is, one of the reasons I've not commented on this story is because I just don't know enough about it to pass judgment Mm. as to whether they are illegal immigrants or economic immigrants or whether they are actual genuine refugees. I just don't know. Well, regardless of their status, and, and that's like a big question for all of us, like, you know, do these people have the right to stay here? As soon as they were taken into de- into detention, a group of their local community in the town which they were living in, known as Bilola, Bilola, I think it's Bilola. 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 Is that really what it's called? Yeah, I get the pronunciation (laughs) all wrong. But anyway, that's okay. Bilola. Their mates got together. They like they've been living there for three years. They've They've become part of the community. That's right. And the community was like, "We want these people back. No, they should stay." And they created a campaign that got over six hundred thousand, you know, signatures and donations, all kinds of things to sell these, uh, to save these people and to keep them in Australia. So during these, you know, the proceedings that were happened, their their assessment over whether they were genuine. Asylum seekers or not yet. They've spent four years in detention. I've got to say the residents of their local town have done very well because they've created a you know a media storm over this particular family. I mean, we have thousands and thousands of people that we deport every year mm. uh, in similar circumstances, mm. but they don't get the support, the level of mm. support that these people got. They must have really connected with their community mm. to be able to create this much support. But I think it also reflects, like, okay, three and a half years they've been living in this community. Um, they've really connected with them and gotten their support. But simultaneously, I think, uh, in in regards to the question of, like, oh, uh, you know, are these people really worthy of asylum seeker status? Well, apparently they've convinced their town that they are. You know, like, if, they, if, they, if their town... And, and I don't know how that happened. Maybe they told them their story or whatever it may be. But if the town was just, like... In my case, anyway, like, if I was living in a community and, yeah, I liked all the people there, but then it turned out that one of them was illegally staying in the country and that they need to leave, I don't know how sympathetic I would be. I'd, I'd be like, oh... Yeah, but if you'd been mates with them for a while... Yeah. You would be sympathetic. Yeah. I, and this is the thing about this family. I think that they've done very, very well in, connect, in, in creating friendship connections in their community that maybe some other, you know, asylum seekers should learn from Mm. because when you've got good connections, people actually don't really care that much whether you're a genuine uh, refugee or not. They just want you to stay Mm. and they'll fight for you to be able to stay. And that's exactly what has happened to this family. And as a result, after four years, and yes, Lyle, as you said, after a change change of government. I think that was probably the most... Literally literally the government changed and overnight... (laughs) Their, their case was brought up again. You know, the, the people that were supporting them was brought up again. And they, as a, con- as a result in conclusion, were like, yep, we'll let them out. I, I just hope they go back to their community. I hope that they really contribute to that community in a very valuable and positive way. Yeah, 100%. It's interesting, like four years in detention, their youngest child at that time when they went in was like nine months old. 
and she's coming out. No, she's as, a five-year-old. She's a five-year-old. Yeah, that's right. So it's uh, it, it's an incredible, incredibly lengthy period of time and such an ordeal. But yeah, finally, um, they have been blessed to to head out of this detention yeah, it's, center. It's inland. I, I didn't. I did say it was up the coast. Yeah, but it's inland. Get lost, La. Just it's learn learn geography. It's not that far from the coast. Like what? How many? Several hundred kilometres, something like that. Australia's a big country. We can class that as... Anyway, all right. Okay, my geography is messed up this morning. Anyways, they're home to Bilo, which is fantastic for them. In other news... Oh, okay, I saw this story this morning. I thought it was funny, and I thought I would tell you. Okay, imagine, Lyle, you're a sheep. Do you want to be a sheep, Lyle? No, I don't want to be a sheep. You don't want to be a sheep? I kind of want to be a sheep. I don't know. I'd rather be a sheep than a goat. Like considering what the Bible says. No, well, nah, nah, I'm just, I'm just taking you around. Okay. But, so here's the advantage of being a goat. Uh huh. Is you don't need a shepherd. Hmm. Because a sheep without a shepherd just grows wool until it has so much wool that it can barely move and it can't see. Hmm. Where is if you're a goat, you can. Very independent. You can live. Yeah. Well, a group of sheep who are not very independent were, you know, hanging out in West Yorkshire. They're getting around and they see a gap, you know, which they can jump, which would land them onto their neighbor's roof. They saw there's a, you know, there's a bit of a raise in the land. And if they jump this gap, well, one sheep in particular is like, I can probably jump this gap and get onto my neighbor's roof and then I can hang out up there. It looks pretty cool. And so it does it. And then the four other sheep that it's with are like, hey, where's that Where's that guy going? Because they're sheep. Because they're sheep. And that's what sheep do. Mm-hmm. They do what the other sheep do. And so they're like, we're going to jump this gap too. We're all gnarly extreme sheep. And they jump this gap and they all end up on this roof. And then, so is the neighbour home? Like, is he a home thinking, what on earth is crashing no, onto no, my roof? The, the neighbour's not home. He's just, he's out somewhere. Um, but some of the locals just heading down the street are like, there are sheep. There's four sheep on that roof. On that roof. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. awesome. Like, I mean, if it was goats, you'd be like, yeah, there's goats on the roof. That's what goats do. Goats always go to the highest point that they can find mm-hmm. and stand on it. Yeah, but these sheep are on the roof and they're like, we need to do something. So they call their local fire brigade. And luckily, one of the firemen, uh, Damien Cameron, has actually done a fair bit of husbandry. Okay. He's, he's, you know... Worked with sheep, worked with shearing, sheep, all that kind of stuff. Done shearing, done breeding, he's done all of it. Luckily, he's had specialist husbandry training. And uh, because of that training, he was able to, you know, wrangle up the sheep and get them to jump back off the roof one by one. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, the sheep, the sheep were safe. I just think that's, like, the funniest... That is The funniest image story. that I could possibly imagine is just, like, looking over and just seeing a bunch of Driving sheep Driving down the a road roof. and there's a bunch of sheep on a roof. That's right. But as a result, now, you know, and, and that's that's actually, it's a beautiful story because all of these sheep, you know, they're just following one another. They're just doing their thing. Yes. And then when a specialist comes in, someone who knows these sheep, uh, they jump, they come back off the roof and go on their merry like way. Franco just texted in to say that uh, we all need a shepherd. That's right. And uh, these sheep had a shepherd and as a result. Oh, this is from Braden. Sorry, so, not Franco. Shout out, Braden. But as a result, they were saved. And we can be sheep that follow Jesus, and we will also be saved. I've also got a text message to say that I had to give the correct pronunciation for Bill O'Wheeler. Bill O'Wheeler. Ah, okay. Bill O'Wheeler. That's where they we're went home Bill-O. to. This Bill is fine. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
Let's have the second clue for our quiz. The second clue for the quiz. In which book was water turned to blood? You thought I was going to say wine, but the water was turned to blood. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you call or text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win the <laughs> Andrews Study Bible. Guys, we're going to be doing that draw at 8.45 this morning. So please be ready. Get If you're not entered in the quiz, get entered in the quiz. 0491-064-669. In which book of the Bible was water turned into blood? All right, so I've got a question for Producer Shell this morning. I need her to come to the microphone oh. uh, because Producer Shell used oh. to work in the hospitality industry in the United States uh. where tipping is a thing. And as a waitress, you kind of earn, earn your money mostly off tips. Totally. So I'm just wondering, Producer Shell, what was the biggest tip that you've ever had? Mm, she's thinking about it. A long time ago. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, so this story is about a young lady who just got a tip for $777. Have you I ever, would remember that. You would probably remember that if you got a tip like this. But there's more to the story than this. And so this is Ava Guan uh, from Louisiana. And just before she went to her night shift as a waitress, she'd been at church. And at church, their air conditioner had broken down. And if anybody's been to Louisiana, you're going to really struggle in church in Louisiana. Louisiana without an air conditioner, and so they were looking. They were, a, you know, not a very wealthy church. They mm-hmm. were looking for opportunities. How do we raise money to be able to, you know, fix this air conditioner for our church? Uh, she donated three hundred dollars. She went to work, and just before she started a shift, she went aside and she prayed that God would provide her with the money to be able to uh, get this air conditioner fixed. Mm. She went out, did her first job, and got a seven hundred and seventy-seven dollar tip on the spot, and she's like. God just answered my money, uh, answered my prayer. So she donated all the money to the repair of the air conditioner. He's like, this guy is my angel. He, he has walked into the restaurant and he has provided the money that I just prayed for. This is not mine. And so she donated it. That is insane. But the story gets better than that because the man who donated it, uh, let me just see if I can find his story, his name here. It is uh, Hamadeh is his name. He came to give this particular tip because he just started a new business and he thought that 777 was a lucky number. Yeah. yeah three sevens. And there's that, that's, probably like a the, lot of, that's like the winning number on the pokies. There's probably a lot of reasons why you might think that three sevens is a good number. Uh, seven is a popular number in the Bible, for instance. Come to find out, he actually found out because he just gave the tip and said, hey, this is a tip, take the evening off. And was just, you know, wanting to do something positive, you know, pay it forward kind of uh, gesture and a random act of kindness. He found that she had donated the money towards the church for the air conditioner. And he's like, okay, that's it. Any extra money you need for that air conditioner, I will donate. Wow. So he's going to fix up the balance of it. So they've got their problem <laughs> solved right there. That's amazing. It's just an incredible story. It's like... Just something to put a smile on your face. Mm. I thought that uh, a little bit of extra positive different news this mm. morning would go a long way. Before we talk about more serious news, we're going to talk about vaping. And we did talk say that oh. we were going to talk about addictions this morning. And the sad thing about vaping is that Australia was doing very well at winning the war on smoking until vaping came in. Mm. Now, of course, in Australia to have vaping liquid that has nicotine in it, you need to have a prescription. Oh, okay. Except that, as it turns out, most of the liquids you get actually have nicotine in them, 
It's just not on the label and no one is checking. Mm. And so really what it comes down to is that this is the cigarette company's way of trying to survive and maintain some kind of market in countries like Australia or New Zealand, you know, where smoking is, you know, disappearing. Mm. And so they've come up with this system of being able to get people addicted to these kinds of drugs. Okay, so the average vapor who vapes daily takes about five to 600 puffs. Mm. That's a lot of toxins going into your body. Mm. Now, these cigarette companies that have this desperation to survive right now, basically they've got no conscience. Mm. I have no sympathy, zero sympathy for them. This is the, that. In fact, they are, I would say, some of the worst kind of criminals because they trade in misery, pain and death. Mm. And anybody, and this is completely, you know, it, it completely ignores any form of humanity. Mm. It is just, we will kill you, we will crush you, we will give you cancer just so long as we can make money. Mm. That's what it comes down to. Because the whole thing is a business model that is based on addiction to a substance that does kill you. Mm. Uh, cigarette companies, of course, came, came out with vaping, claiming that it would help people to quit. You you know when a cigarette company Yikes. makes those kinds of Yikes. claims. It's like, yes, we're going to produce a product that is going to destroy our business and we're going to promote it because it is going to destroy, you know, who's ever going to trust that? Yeah, and simultaneously it's like, like the reason smoking kills you is because it's addictive, That's because right. nicotine is present. That's right. And then it's like, okay, we're just going to put the nicotine somewhere else. It's like smoke from a campfire will give you cancer. Mm. But nobody's dying from campfires. No, that's right. Yeah. Because they're not addicted to it. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anybody with a campfire smoke addiction. You go to a campfire and everybody's, you know, circling around the campfire staying out of the smoke. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes, you throw some nicotine into it, everything changes. Mm. The reality is that, of course, vaping has increased the rate of smoking in Australia and the cigarette companies knew that that was what would happen and they knew that more people would die and more people would be in pain and more lives would be destroyed and that's why they created vaping. Mm. So that they could make money by killing people. Mm. Uh, non-smokers who use e-cigarettes are three times as likely to go on to smoke real cigarettes. Yeah. Okay, so here's some here's some interesting information in relationship to vaping. 10% of 14 to 17-year-olds are now vaping. We, we were winning that war. We were absolutely winning that war. It's actually lower than I thought, to be honest. But yeah, like in, but the, in the United States, it's, even, oh, it's, it's way bigger. Way bigger. It's well over a quarter. Because they have less strict laws on that kind of thing. Yeah. And in Australia, okay, 10%. Okay, there you go. And they have not as done as much to discourage smoking in the United States. In other countries, Australia and New Zealand lead the world. Mm. Yeah, New Zealand is looking at phasing out smoking altogether. Yeah, they've brought, they've brought in the legislation already. That yeah. If you're younger than a certain age, you can't buy cigarettes. That's it. It just stays. It's like the same year. It's like no matter how old you get, you can't buy them. In Australia right now, 12% of men smoke and 8% of women smoke. Mm. That's half the number that we had in the year 2000. Wow. So that's a massive improvement in just 22 years. Those people, amongst those people who smoke, it's primarily 
Uh, Aboriginal people, immigrants, uh, poverty-stricken people and people in the outback. Those are the areas where people smoke the most. Mm. A quarter of adult Australians used to smoke Mm. but have quit. More than 60% of us have never smoked. Mm. So more than 60% of Australians alive right now have never smoked. I'm in that category. Of those who do smoke, 70% want to quit. Yeah. So there's, you know, out of the 8 to 12% of people who do smoke, most of them want to give it up. Mm. Uh, and and for amongst those who don't want to give it up, it's once again mostly people who have come in from immigrant communities overseas who really, you know, they've got smoking rates of 80, 90%, this mm. kind of thing, and they have no idea that this is going to cause any problems to their health whatsoever at all. Mm. What's interesting is the connection between smoking and mental health. Mm. 30% of people with social phobia smoke, more than half of people with general anxiety uh, smoke, two-thirds of people experiencing some kind of, some form of psychotic order disorder smoke. And what they found is that this is not just a symptom, it's actually a contributor. Really? Yes. So it's not just an issue of, you know, somebody's got anxiety or somebody's got a, you know, a, a psychotic disorder and so they're going to try and alleviate that by self-medicating on nicotine. It's actually the nicotine that is it. contributing to mm. it. Uh, in remote areas of Australia, the smoking rate is around 20%. In the regional areas, it's about 13%. In the cities, it's about 10%. Uh, the lowest income areas are almost four times more likely to smoke than those in the richest. And what's a packet of cigarettes worth these days? About 50 bucks. Mm. Um, so it's really targeting the, the, the portion of the population that is most vulnerable. And this mm. is where I just have no sympathy for cigarette companies they are targeting the weakest and most vulnerable. It's just an awful trade. In You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's, uh, let's have another clue for the quiz here. What man did the earth swallow? If you know the answer, what man did the earth swallow? 0491 064 Oh, we've just had a text message come in. A grand... Old oldie. Thanks, producer. Shout out, producer Shell, for playing only bangers here on Faith FM. Uh, but again, that question was for the quiz, what man did the earth swallow? 0491-064-669. Give us a call or text, and you can enter into the draw, which is for the Andrews Study Bible. If you enter into the draw, um, this will be draw drawn at 8.45 a.m., so very, very soon. But, yeah, get your answers in, 0491-064-669. And as we head over to our interview of the day, we have Jared Stackeroth joining us from Science Magazine. Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, Lyle, great to be back. We're into the June edition of Science Magazine. What have you got in store for us? I really like the June magazine, Lyle. We've got a great story in this magazine about a guy who was a gangster, a drug dealer, and he just, in his own words, described himself as saying, I was an animal. It's sort of a first-person account of his journey through all of that rough sort of upbringing to becoming a Christian and, you know, living as a business owner and a family man. He's got seven children, and he's sort of reflecting on his life. Jason's his name. So it's a really great story. And I guess the the turning point for Jason was he went to a kickboxing class run by a church 
And the verse that they had at the end of class was challenging him with the idea of where his treasures were. And he's like, what treasures? I don't have any treasures. You know, my life is a bit whatever. And what am I looking for? Where can I store up my treasures? And that sort of stuck with him and he kept attending the class and he made connections. And yeah, eventually he decided, you know, through that chance encounter, it kind of changed his whole life. And we love telling stories like this. Yeah, that's a fantastic story. So this guy was a gangster here in Australia or somewhere overseas? So he's originally from New Zealand and most of the story takes place in New Zealand. Um, Signs goes to Australia and to New Zealand. So one for our New Zealand audience, our New Zealand family. He now lives in Australia, but originally from Auckland. And I'm assuming that as a gangster, that's basically what, organised crime we're talking about? Well, yeah, petty things like initiated into a gang. I guess a lot of people look for belonging and and that sort of thing. He said he used to enjoy setting things on fire and (laughs) hiding around the corner and watching the fire department come and all the chaos that it caused and and that sort of thing. Just a really troubled sort of childhood and upbringing. But through a random encounter with a man at a swimming pool, the guy sort of said to him, hey, why don't you come along to our our kickboxing classes? The church was actually running kickboxing classes and just shows that different things speak to different people. And through that encounter, Jason's life has completely turned around. Um, Yeah, yeah, wow. And that's an unusual one too because you sort of don't expect a church to be running a kickboxing class for the community. There's churches that run all kinds of different things for the community. You know, it might be a cooking class or something like that, but kickboxing, that's definitely different. Obviously worked in this case and we praise God for that. Definitely. And I guess just as a sneak peek for our listeners, in both July and in August, we've got other stories that are really similar to Jason's but in very different ways about people who have had miraculous encounters with God and had their lives changed. We're really passionate about telling stories like that at Signs. I believe that when we hear other people's stories, it's very easy for us to relate the different elements of things that they've gone through and the struggles that they've experienced. And yeah, it really is an encouraging thing to read how other people have gotten through some of their challenges with God's help. So I think it's a it's a good story to be telling and I'm very glad that we've got Jason's story in our June magazine. And I hope that there will be a lot of people who will get that story out to the audience that needs to hear it because there are so many people in our world right now who are trapped in that kind of a lifestyle that they think is going to bring them joy and fulfilment, you know, whatever, because they're getting away with stuff and they're going to get rich this way. And it never does. And Mm. it always brings dysfunction. I hope that the right people are given this story to read so that they can see that there is hope that you can get out of this particular vicious cycle that a lot of these young people get themselves involved in and, of course, typically ends up with them just being in jail for the best part of their lives and mm, to be able yeah. to turn their lives around and say, yep, there's a there's a different and a better way. If this person can do it, I can do it too. That's right. Well, we're really happy at Signs that we go to work with a lot of community projects, you know, soup kitchens and places, even into some prisons. And, look, Someone might not have gone to the levels of Jason in their lives, but there might still be elements of his story that they can relate to and that they're seeking answers for. And we also hope that a lot of people who get their hands on this can read that story and it might make a difference in their lives. And, of course, this story will be accessible online. Um, That's part of the online material? It's already up online on our website, signsofthetimes.org.au. It's already there. Okay, so head over to Um, You Have a read of the story, but more importantly, pass it on to somebody who needs to hear it. Mm. We we want to do far more with signs than just preach to the congregation, preach to the choir, so to speak, and that's why you mentioned you take the magazine to lots of outreach areas where this is going to be really relevant, but I just want to encourage our listeners 
that you can get a blessing from this, but more importantly, you can bless somebody else with it. Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself, Lyle. No, praise God. Now, what else is happening in the June edition of Signs? I was roped into authoring one of the articles. A really, a story that captured my attention is the story of the Tower of Jeddah. Now, in Saudi Arabia, they had this idea that they would build the tallest building in the world, one kilometre. They wanted to reach that magic one kilometre high mark with this building that they were planning to do. Spoiler alert, they didn't finish the tower yet. Oh, no. (laughs) They've sort of of built a third of it. There's been some interesting political and different issues in Saudi Arabia. And it just got me thinking about the story. There's a story that some of our listeners may be familiar with in Genesis about another tower that the humans were building to try and reach the heavens and to put themselves in a high place like God. And it's the Tower of Babel. So when I heard about the story of the Tower of Jeddah, it just got me reflecting about human pride and I guess what happens when we try and place ourselves in the position of God in our lives. So some reflections on the two towers, I guess, the Jeddah Tower and the Tower of Babel, and there's some parallels there and some lessons that we can draw out. Yes, and also both these towers come from a similar part of the world. I mean, obviously this one's a lot bigger than I think the Tower of Babel was, but mm. even still, the thought that goes through my mind, the passage of Scripture that went through my mind as soon as I, as soon as you started talking, talking about the Tower of Jeddah was where the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about counting the cost of what it means to be a follower of him and talks about, you know, somebody sits down to build a house, gets halfway through and stops, and then everybody comes by, past and laughs and like, yeah, this guy started to build and wasn't able to finish. Uh, you can kind of look at this one and it's like, yeah, this was going to be the pride of Saudi Arabia and a symbol to the entire world. And well, it's not quite there, is it? That's right. That's right. They, they put a lot of plans in place. And I think there's still, it does seem like they think, although the company managing this project thinks that it will be completed, but it's been a number of years since work has halted. So we'll wait and see. But I thought it was a good opportunity to I guess retell some good old Bible stories, but in a contemporary, relevant way. Yes, absolutely. That's cool. So we've got the Tower of Jeddah. We've got an amazing story of a personal testimony from somebody who was a gangster. What else have we got? Yeah, look, there's some other great stuff in here. Um, we've got a short article on recovering from COVID. It's just a lot of people have had it and may even be experiencing some of the long-term effects. And so there's some good sort of healthy tips that you can have and related to our well-being section as well we've got an idea of the sabbath having a digital sabbath and the idea that a lot of people are burnt out through being on screens so much of the time these days and how the bible i guess the prescription in the bible one one good cure for some of our burnout might just be having a day off once a week and and spending time with those you love with god it's not just about time off i think We can all try and schedule in time off, but it's also about that guilt-free time off that I don't actually run the universe. God is happy for me to have a break. I should be happy for myself to have a break, and I can have guilt-free relaxation slash reconnection time. Yes, and I think this is the amazing thing about what God has 
given to us with the Sabbath because you get this public holiday once a week, whereas you know the government gives you one once a year kind of thing. But it's once a week, and it's guilt-free time off. You know, if it That's wasn't right. for what the Bible said about taking that time off, I would be sitting around thinking about all the projects that I needed to be get getting done, all the projects that I should be getting done, all of the things that you know on the weekend you need to take place, and you just go twenty four seven, and that's never a good thing for a human being. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's been a blessing to me. I remember even from high school, sort of in our family, we had a a weekly Sabbath on Saturday, and just even in year 12, didn't have to think about my assignments, could have some guilt-free time off just to go, you know what, I'm going to enjoy the next 24 hours and I'm not even going to think about my studies until I have to. You know, maybe on Sunday I do have to study, but that will be tomorrow's problem. So (laughs) it is a good practice and I've found a lot of value in my life. And this article just gives readers, some readers may not have had the concept in their lives and, and it's a good reminder that this is a good practice to put into place. And I think you've highlighted something there that's important as well because a lot of people in our world today struggle with anxiety and simply the practice of taking one day off and consciously saying, I don't need to worry about that today is a Mm. good practice Uh to be in when it comes to dealing with anxiety because it's reminding your brain that you don't have to be anxious for the future. This is your day off. We'll worry about that when the next day comes. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 100% agree. Yeah, no, this is great stuff. Tell us about one more article. All right. Well, some of our listeners may be familiar with there was quite a large debate between Ken Ham and Bill Nye, the science guy. So Ken Ham is a guy who is an Answers in Genesis CEO. He's he's done a lot in the space of creation. I think he built a giant Noah's Ark somewhere in the middle of the United States um, as a bit of a tourist a tourist attraction so people can come that's right and can so people can come there and sort of learn more about the flood story and the Genesis story. And so they had quite a, a highly publicized and televised debate. And one of our authors, Mary Ellen, she looks at creation versus evolution, but in a slightly different way. She doesn't sort of crown a winner necessarily, but she encourages people to it's a bit like the Sabbath, re encounter the idea of a creator God. You know, if if the world didn't just happen by chance. What are some of the just logical benefits it brings to our outlook on life? How can it give us some, one, to counteract exhaustion and burnout, to protect and care for the environment, you know, to make things matter in a slightly different way than we might have, have thought they did? Just she's got some really good practical lessons um, riffing off that sort of initial debate that those guys had um which is also, you know, got a lot of interesting material in it. Um, so, yeah, a, a really good look at the creation versus evolution and, and what faith it might take actually to believe in evolution that could be spent on believing in a God that actually has a purpose for our lives. Yeah, great stuff. It's always exciting to hear what you guys are talking about. How do we, how do we actually access and interact with Science Magazine? Yes. If you go to signsofthetimes.org.au, you can read many of our articles there. You can also subscribe. We do have a digital subscription option available for people now. It's a bit cheaper and it's a little harder to share with your friends and your neighbors, but it is something that you can read and, and think about and enjoy. And so that's also available. It's very simple to sign up to either a print or a digital subscription there on our website. We also have a podcast with interviews with people who have written articles for us. 
And we've got all the social media. You can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, Jared, for joining us here to talk about Signs Mag. Don't forget, signsofthetimes.org.au. Head over there, check it out, and you will be blessed and encouraged and excited by the material that is going to be available for you right there. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.